Gemacast listeners, Hover would love to find a domain name for your passion. They'll automatically take 10% off your first order at the checkout using promo code JOMOCAST. My name is Christina Crook, and I am the author of The Joy of Missing Out. I want to welcome you to the JOMOCAST, a brand new podcast for founders and creators seeking joy in a digital age. JOMO is the joy of missing out on the right things. Life-taking things like toxic hustle, comparison, disconnection, and digital drain in order to make space for life-giving commitments that bring us peace, love, meaning, and joy. Did you hear? Oprah said that JOMO is her new favorite thing. Yes, that's right. In a video with her and her bestie, Gail King. O discovered Jomo for the first time, and she gushed, Jomo is my new favorite thing. I am definitely Jomo. So here at Jomo headquarters, aka my home office, we are working fast and furious to put together a Jomo care package for Miss O herself. We're sending her a Jomo box to place phones inside, the Joy of Missing Out book, custom Oprah mugs, a tote bag, a manifesto letter print, and a handwritten letter all in the most bright and beautiful box we could imagine. To see photos, follow at experience underscore Jomo on Instagram. Okay, back to business. We are halfway through season one of the Jomo cast, and this season we are talking about the two elements of joy, well-being and success. Success is the achievement of goals, no matter what they are. And well-being is having a positive relationship with our abilities and our limits, no matter what they are. This week, we're releasing two special episodes that each focus on one of these elements. I met each of these guests featured this week at Fireside Conference. I first attended Fireside in 2016 with my husband, Michael. Fireside is a gathering of technology founders, investors, and media at a completely unplugged summer camp three and a half hours north of Toronto. The founders, Daniel Levine and Stephen Pulver, had a vision of creating a true human experience for the women and men of tech. Now in its fifth year, Fireside has become an important part of my life and connection within the tech community. I speak at Fireside every year. To give you a sense of what Fireside is like, I'd like to share a poem I wrote sitting on the dock at Camp Walden, where Fireside happens every year. We are sitting on the deck at Camp Walden. Around us, the rise and fall of laughter mingle on the intersecting planks. A small lake rippling beneath us. The water is littered with sailboats, canoes, and a couple paddling in kayaks. A hedge of elms and oaks engulf the edges of the water warmed by the gentle nudges of fall. It quiets and moves me, this scene. Here the cloud cannot touch us, the hurry and labels and Twitterverse for a weekend powered down. Here we are disarmed. This is Fireside an opening for flesh and blood communication, for remembering just what lights us up, just what can happen when silence and serendipity are given room. 
here is an opening to surrender our accomplishments and sleep, to place our successes to the side and watch them dim under the canopy of a thousand stars. Here, we remember our smallness, just a body on a dock, just a woman in flat shoes, just a man with cold feet. This is Fireside. I met Jessica Burnett and Payam Shalshian at Fireside. Payam, a former management consultant working 70-hour weeks, had little time left for the things that supported his well-being, namely his relationships, especially with his wife Jessica, but also with his extended family and friends. Payam would wake up, as many of us do, to a flood of email messages demanding our attention. By nightfall, the pressure wouldn't let up. When Jess's sister and brother-in-law shared their vision for opening a bed and breakfast in the country, Jess and Payam were captivated by the idea of living in community and by the freedom to experiment and play in ways that their lives currently didn't allow for. Now co-owners of the Edward Bed and Breakfast, the foursome co-live in the wilds of Ontario's Prince Edward County. My husband Michael and I spoke with Jess and Payam on our anniversary in September sitting around a picnic table at Camp Walden. We heard how this couple made the choice to slow down and the dividends it's paid to their well-being, marriage, and all-around satisfaction with life. They even keep chickens. I call this episode, The Joy of Missing Out on Hustle. We're here at Fireside at Soul's fire pit, just a few steps away from Soul's cabin, and it's your first time to Fireside, isn't it? It is. It is huh? Yeah, yeah. How are you finding it so far? It's so good. It's it's kind of. I think I had like a rough idea of maybe what this weekend would be like and what it was all about, but it's like totally exceeded all of that. That's so, awesome. Yeah, it's really really cool. So we are here today with Payam and Jess, and they have an amazingly interesting story about getting out of the rat race and moving into, yeah, a really intentional way of living. Uh, We're here sitting talking together because Daniel and Steven, the co-founders of Fireside, called me on the phone yesterday and said, there are these people you absolutely have to talk to. (laughs) (laughs) Can we set you up tomorrow afternoon? So That's too kind. Yeah. (laughs) yeah. So I think the thread that he was really, Daniel in particular, was interested in is actually Michael, who's joining me today on the podcast. Say hello. Hey, everyone. Hi, Michael. (laughs) Um, We actually co-lived with a family this last year. um, And you guys co-lived with your sister and brothers. So I think that's a thread that I'd like to bring in to our conversation today. But maybe we could back up a little bit. I kind of want to back up to what life was like maybe a year and a half, two years ago, and then fast forward to life today. So maybe you guys can take us a little bit on that journey. Sure. So I am Jessica and uh, I am Time's wife and friend and uh, business partner. Um, And a couple of years ago, I was... Uh, working with kids in Toronto, like downtown inner city Toronto. And um, I really did enjoy that uh, work. It was very fulfilling. It was really hard uh, because, you know, families are messy and you get to work with not just the kids, but the parents too, and the grandmas and the aunties and all of that. Um, But I did really enjoy that. Um, But it being in the city like it it obviously has its benefits you're it's very convenient there's a lot of opportunity there 
um, sometimes a little too much opportunity. Um, so what I kind of found was that um, specifically with Payam's work, it really did take him away a lot, um, which I think at the beginning was okay. It was fine. But I think our relationship as as a couple suffered for, you know, for that. And it wasn't through Payam's fault. It was just, that's the name of the game. You work, you know, in the city and it just gets really busy. And then you're available to your job all the time. And then they expect that. And then you have to go on business, you know, everywhere. Yeah. So I think we kind of realized that that was uh, kind of breaking us a little bit, not apart, but just mm-hmm. like breaking us down a little bit. And yeah. uh, uh, I grew up in a small town. I had, uh, I was very fortunate to have a mother who stayed home to, um, to raise us. And that's just how it kind of worked. And my dad was um, out a lot working, uh, which would have been nice to have him home more. Um, but I grew up in a very like um, calm, open environment and I, we, I don't know, we just kind of wondered, would we be able to create that environment for our kids in the city? Would I be able to stay home even for part of their childhood? Or would we both have to work, put them in childcare? And, and that's just kind of tricky. Um, and we don't have kids yet, but, uh, you know, we tried to be forward thinking and, uh, and have some forethought into it. And we just kind of thought, like, can't really do it anymore. Hmm. So we made the change. And Payam, what was your life looking like a year and a half ago? Oh, my God. It's <clears throat> a panic as you has been, to think about it. It has been a year and a half. Um, I, I grew up in a big city. I, um, all my life, basically, I was, I was taught, you know, by, by my environment and my family, you know, that you have to live, um, tour, and, live and work towards a goal. Um, very, very tunnel vision, you know, pick one target and just go after it. <clears throat> Living in a big city was always, you know, um, keep, keeping me focused and speeding me up towards that goal. And uh, that's the life I knew. That's that's what I thought was the right thing to do. I, I never, uh, you know, even paused and stopped to think about any alternatives or, or what would be um what would be a healthier lifestyle um, until maybe even a year and a half ago. Um, <clears throat> I was working, uh, like I mentioned earlier, as a, you know, in, in the consulting world where where uh, you, you move fast, you stay focused, you deliver. Uh, it's very, uh, very output focused in a lot of cases, um, you know. So I was I was really in that uh, the hamster wheel, just running at, you know, full speed. And until I think we... we uh, talked about it, you know, and it came up through through circumstance and, and you know, how, how it was affecting our dynamics um, that, that I realized, hey, maybe maybe we should look at an alternative. So that, that's where it was a year and a half ago. I was, I think, maybe even on a, on a plane back from San Francisco or L.A., you know, um, thinking how much I traveled that year and then how little I'd spend at home, uh, how little time I'd spend at home. So when you were deep into the work that you were doing previously, like you'd wake up in the morning and what would that day look like? When did you grab for your smartphone? How much time were you spending in front of your computer? Like what did that actually look like? What 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 you would probably, you, you can probably imagine, you know, I would, I would Don't wake up. Don't hold back. No, I mean, it, it, is, <laughs> it was it constant. Is, yeah, it is very, uh, very, pro- I, I, I'd say it's stereotypical, but I would 
grab my phone first thing in the morning, you know, check my emails, check my messages on five different platforms and make sure I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm connected, uh, multiple time, multiple zones. time zones, um, all, you know, tons of different t- um, team members that, that required my attention. And, um, I was connected, uh, pretty much first thing in the morning uh you know i would i would not eat um much in the morning i in terms of breakfast and you know just grab a coffee hit the ground running you go to work uh and then you until like 7 8 p.m some nights you know you do the same thing and you come back home and and you are still connected you you don't you don't let go of that much in the evening even though you're sitting and thinking oh i'm spending time you know with my partner at home Uh, oh but like people you know from his work would uh and that's just the environment they were in. But they would message him at like, like when we were going to bed and, you know, sometimes like middle of the night, you know, one of the managers or whatnot has a, an idea or something. He's got to like get it out there. But it like messages on his phone and he had to put his phone on do not disturb over the nights mm-hmm. because of that. But then as soon as yeah. the morning time came, that yeah, setting was if, off. Even if you're not, the you, messages you, were in. Yeah, you like I, I tried towards the end. I think I tried to be disciplined uh, and then not not respond. But even if you you don't respond, it's still in the back of your mind. It's still there. That light on your phone blipping, or or you know, it's like you you know that that people are asking you questions, and you're like, yeah, I'm gonna ignore them until tomorrow. But it's still occupying a part of your brain, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't think I realized, especially back then when we were in the city and uh, it was just a lot going on. I don't think I realized how much Payam like internalized things as well. Like, you know, you kind of just go through life and and I think you, you can kind of be passive about it and think like, oh, this is just what's happening. Um, but then there'd be, you know, we're getting candid here, but there'd be like breakdowns, you know, like personal breakdowns where we would just, we wouldn't know what to do. And I, I wouldn't quite understand, you know, all the things that are going on in his head uh, that involved work and personal life. And, you know, I'm thinking like work is just work. Like, why is it such a big deal? And because I didn't necessarily come from that environment. Um, and so I think like a huge drive for for me personally was, I wanted like a healthier, happier husband and partner and, and someone who, you know, like, uh, I don't know who I could maybe try and help a little bit better than, than I could back then. And uh, yeah, it was maybe a bit selfish in some ways, you know, that I wanted like just a happier, um, I don't know, partner. If he's happy, then I'm happy and vice versa, you know, and he's happy. He's happy. That's <laughs> true. Yeah. It's true. So, if he's yeah. happy, then he's a happy person. And that means like, what's like there's nothing wrong with that no. and uh and i think the personal breakdowns yeah. and i appreciate the candidness but is something that everybody can relate to mental health is something that you know we're speaking a lot more about these days but it there is still sort of this valor to pressing on keeping up status quo um keeping constantly busy but there's so much behind the scenes that we're not actually seeing yeah Oh, absolutely. And I think we just kind of thought that that was normal until it wasn't. Like until we were like, mm. this can't be the way that things it, function. It is normalized, though. I feel it's like, you know, it, when uh, there is only, you know, more and more you see people trying to break out of that. But when you are in a city like Toronto doing what we did before, you're working amongst hundreds of people. That's that's thousands, your social thousands of, of people thousands, in a social yeah. group yeah. that who are who are thinking that that is normal that is the life they've uh, they've chosen and they've selected and they're living it you know hopefully happily 
but that is that is the way to 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 do things you know mm-hmm. it is very normal to get your haircut at the office you know because we have a barber coming in you know and giving you a haircut and it's like well since when like is that normal and, that, but that's, it's that's, like it sounds cool you know, like, oh, amazing. Like, I don't have to, you know, do any work. I don't have to schedule my own haircut or, you know, schedule a massage or whatever. Like, my work does that for me. But it's like this strange illusion of, you know, like, let's pamper you because these are just normal things you can't do anymore on your off time because you don't have off time. And, you know, like, because you don't have, like, a life outside of the office. Right. And, and it's, it's, I mean, I appreciate that that work environments are trying to do that. But it's, you know, we keep hearing, like, there's got to be a balance and even a work environment and a really intense techie, you know, uh, agency kind of environment. They, I feel like they could find that balance really. Like it's got to come from the core, but mm-hmm. you know, as an individual, it's hard. Like if, if you, you know, what do you do? You either just kind of keep going and you try and find happiness in it. And that's great. And I, I really appreciate people who can do that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I like, I, I like cutting your hair. <laughs> I like it when you're home and I can cut your hair. And, yeah. You know. yeah. That is a beautiful segue. Um, well, the theme of this podcast is, of course, the joy of missing out. And that can manifest in lots of different ways. And that's why I love that it's not necessarily digital or technology specific. But I feel like you guys have really embodied stepping into the joy of missing out on what is really normalized, at least in the culture that you guys were working in. Yeah. I, I, I guess to, to share a bit of a personal story towards the end, I started realizing that I was missing out on things that actually mattered. Uh, you know, I, I think it hit me when my, my uncle got sick um, uh, and, uh, you know, he passed away. I, and my brother and I drove all the way to D.C. to see him right, you know, before he passed away. And I realized that we were a lot closer to him growing up and then all of a sudden I was missing out on all of this time I could have spent with him right mm-hmm. um, things that really mattered I was missing out on and I had replaced them with things that didn't really matter right um, so I was really just shifting it I was like maybe I can miss out on all this stuff and then and just really connect back with things that matter a little bit more like, mm-hmm. like family like friends and uh, people we care about you know and what was the crisis point for you with your uncle? Was it that you that you just had this awakening that you had not been as deeply connected to him in the in the latter years? Absolutely, yeah. There is there is a lot that goes into your mind when you're driving for ten hours straight and 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 back. We it, it was it was a crazy drive, and I, all of that went through my head. Yeah, all of that. It's like I missed out on probably twenty years of of not actually knowing him. And what I'm, I think I'm hearing you say is that the trade off wasn't good enough. Absolutely. What you were doing with your time. It was not worth it at all, you know? It wasn't, it was not even, it wouldn't even get close. Hmm. Okay, so let's fast forward now to the night of the bottle of wine. <laughs> Tell us about Multiple that. Multiple bottles. So we we do uh, work with uh, my sister and her husband, and, and then they're two little ones. Uh, so it is a partnership, and we've always been very close with them. Um, Payam was roommates with my sister, and they, uh, the three of them, they went to university together. Um, so we've always been quite close. It's always been kind of, we were always called the four. Um, and 
So we would often gather for dinners at one of the apartments. And uh, and this is in, in Toronto at this yeah, point. Yeah, in Toronto. Yeah. And uh, one of these dinners resulted in us going to Cuba. But uh, <laughs> this particular dinner... You sound like dinner, really good dinners. I How know. do I get invited to this? <laughs> this, uh, this particular dinner resulted in deciding to like explore, like, oh, let's go visit the county. This was in November. Uh, so it's not even, you know, peak season. It wasn't particularly warm. Let's go visit and like, let's just check out some properties. Let's, let's just see, you know, cause you never know. And, uh, and that's what we did. And we ended up staying in a and b that was for sale and the owners were, you know, very generous with, uh, and candid with their life and, and how things are run and, um, and what, you know, the ins and outs of running a and b and my sister and her husband had previous dreams, uh, of running a and b one day. Um, that originally was going to be called the White Maple Lodge. Uh, that name changed since, but uh, so they kind of had that in the back of their minds anyway. And stemming from that from that dinner, from that trip to Prince Edward County, it was just like, no, we're going to do this because why the heck not? Like, I think we were all af- afraid that if we didn't do it now, we would just never do it. And, you know, we were like, you know, it's not like we couldn't go back if this fails. Right. And I think, you know, that is like a huge barrier, right? Like, oh my God, what if we fail? Um, for all, everybody, really, the fear of, of failure is huge. The, the first three months, I think, are, are like we repeatedly t- told each other, what's the worst that can happen? Yeah. You know, that was kind of like our, yeah. our, uh, our way of encouraging us to keep going. I and mean, we were like, what's the worst that's going to happen? Yeah. Um, I think that dinner... It's it's kind of funny because I, I it, for for me it was it was perfect timing. It, I I had a rough time. I had a rough week. I was so ready to just flip my desk and get out of get get out of the office already. Um, and at the same time, like so, I knew I I hated the current state of things, but I didn't really know what the heck I wanted to do. I was always like thinking about, oh man, I could do so many things. I think you were the same mm-hmm. too, Jess. Like you were like, I could be happy doing so many things. Yeah. We didn't really have a place to go, and it was it was I think very fortunate that we had, you know, the other two, Rebecca and Manoli, who were who already had this they this kind of like fantasy fantasy of, of of doing something like yeah. this. They didn't have a plan. And I think when we sat at dinner and we started kind of venting, we were like, well, you guys have a dream. We don't have one. We can help you come up with a plan. Why don't we just go in on it together? And and that things just kind of went from there. You know, like Jess was saying, we ended up just like by chance walking into someone's home that was willing to share with us the ins and out of their business. And yeah. that expedited everything because we, we saw it, we saw the numbers and then we said, Hey, look at this. Like, this we feasible. could totally do this. Yeah. And then what's the worst thing that could happen? Yeah. So you go to Prince Edward Island. No, not, yeah, not the Island, the County, the County. <laughs> the county. Um, I'm from Vancouver originally. So yeah, I, when I think PE, it's going to be an Island. With an I. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Prince Edward County, you go there, you stay in the bed and breakfast and the bed and breakfast you stay in is for sale. Yeah, like, this is how this worked like, out. It's a sign. <laughs> yeah, it's a sign. <laughs> we, we didn't. We didn't end up buying that Ben Breckler. We did. Oh, you it, didn't. Okay, no, didn't buy we, that but one. it was. It uh, expedited everything. Like we ended up did. talking to them. We went and back and and started the process with our agent, agent talking to them. And, and uh, for a few different reasons, we didn't choose that property. But it just we were already on a roll, so right. we were already in the shopping mode. And and we uh, just happened to see the the perfect house. So it's a big change, right? So. I bet we could find a lot of people who felt 
the way you did about your work, Payam, and had had dinners like the one you had five years ago, and they're still in that job, still feeling those frustrations. What do you think gave you guys whatever it was you needed to actually like get an agent, buy a property, launch a business? You know, I actually, I think it was the fact that we had the support, uh, that we were doing it with our closest, you know, family and friends, um, people that we trusted, people that we knew were res- responsible people, you know, and and that had very similar values to us um, and similar goals for their life. Um, yeah. And yeah, it's, it's key to have, uh, it's funny, like when, when you have two people, you could either agree or disagree or something, and right? And you can psych yourselves out of it but a, a lot easier. A lot easier, yeah. you know, because, you know, as, as a couple, especially you, you come to an agreement fairly quickly. So if, if one of you is, is nervous, the other one gets protective and wants to make sure that they're not nervous. So, so as, as a, but as soon as you add a third person or even in our case, even better fourth person, then at any given point, even if three of us are down, there is one person Someone's that's like, let's go. Someone's going to make it happen. Yeah, there's one of us at least that are like, we're like, no, we've got this. We can do it, which is yeah. amazing. Uh, I, I think, and, and I think we have had times where all four of us were kind of defeated, defeated you know, and, yeah. and that's okay. But yeah. it, with four people, there is a chance that one of you is going to bounce back quicker and then and pull the other ones out as well. And then it's, it, I, I think that's, that's probably why I, I would I would recommend people who want to get out of it do it with other people who also want to get out of it. Don't do it alone, because <laughs> um, you know it's it's tough. Like you're you're battling inertia at a personal level, mm-hmm. right? You know I gotta I gotta change, right? Change is never easy. Uh, you are battling, you know, uh, a relationship dynamic changing. You are so much going on. You don't want to do it alone. Yeah. Uh, it, it's it's and we we made this decision as well, like during a time in in our marriage where um we were coming out of some like tough stuff and uh i actually think that maybe that's partially why this kind of worked and kind of happened is because we were like this is a a change that that we feel like we need and we kind of like it was like something that we could work together on and um and i mean it's hard going through issues you know at a very personal like even within your marriage and whatnot but like going through hard things sometimes results in something really, really good and really positive. And, you know, like no one, no one ever like got a really happy outcome out of doing like nothing, you know, and out of going through nothing. And so one of the things I wrote down when you guys were talking a few minutes ago is um, failing for all the right reasons, you know, it was like, you know, it was worth stepping out with the possibility of failure, because even if you did, you would be doing it for all the right reasons. And I hear your story and I think a lot of people can relate if they have a partner, which, you know, many people have a partner, um, that their lives are sort of running parallel, you know, especially in the, we're here at Fireside, we're surrounded by, you know, startup founders and people that are at sea level, you know, in sea level positions. Um, A lot of them don't actually spend a lot of time with their partners simply because there's just not enough hours in the day. And I think part of the dream that at least I connect to and Michael and I have have wanted more and more in our own life is finding more ways to be together, to work together, to be even community as a family more. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a a beautiful part of your story that you it brought you into community with each other, but then it also brought you into this greater community of your family. This episode is brought to you by Hover.com. 
Everyone's got their thing. My thing is the joy of missing out, and Hover's is the joy of free domain registration privacy. Hover is an incredible company, actually based here in Canada, which is where I live, and I use Hover for all of my domain registration, and I have for years and years. I'm thrilled that they are here on board with the JomoCast in the very first season. And as a listener, you can go to hover.com forward slash JomoCast to get your next great idea registered in a domain at Hover. So thank you to Hover for sponsoring season one of the JomoCast. So you move yeah, yeah. to the country <laughs> and... What does that look like? Who are you living with? What is what oh is so, yeah. okay? It was it, it was messy. <laughs> it was it was messy. We had we uh, we had uh, so you know we the, partially why we bought this house yeah. um, was because it had a separate space that we saw ourselves okay. being able to live in while we ran it as a business. So we could live on site. It was um, an unfinished kind of like shoddily put together uh, space above the garage, which was attached to the house, but. Somebody finished it on their own. Yeah, it was. It was, it was not it was a contractor. We, but. we did see the space and we said, "Hey, let's let's move in." All of us, all four of us, plus a plus new a five baby. months old. Uh, <laughs> what what could go wrong? You know, uh, and so we did. Um, we moved all of our stuff. We uh, well, we, we firstly, we my sister and I. We quit, well, yeah. she was on mat leave. I quit my job earlier in the year. That's true. So my sister and I moved there in March. Just the two of us. We do not have our licenses yet, our full licenses. <laughs> so here's my sister and I in this giant house on this giant property with a baby <laughs> by ourselves during the week because the boys were still working in Toronto and then uh, living in the place that Pime and I had. So like at 1.4 of us were living in a place in Toronto altogether. And then my sister and I moved out to the county. Uh, once in a while, my mom would visit and help us start to you know, get the house ready and clean it, and we were painting and all of that, and she drove us around, <laughs> which is super helpful. Um, and then the guys would come on the weekend, uh, so Friday night they'd arrive late, and then Sunday they'd have to go back, and so they were doing the grind uh, plus working on the weekends in the county, yeah, was um, and living in you know in a small space. space, living in the same space. Uh, because you were trying to get the main house ready. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The house was under uh, basically con- not not major construction, but we were doing yeah painting and decorating and, and all, all, all that and, yeah. kind of stuff. So yeah, sleep, all, all five of us uh, and sometimes parents sleeping in the same oh open God, yeah. concept space was, was challenging. At one point you know? there was like, yeah, the four of us, my parents, Eva, who is my sister's first daughter, uh, and it was crazy. Like we were all like kind of on the floor on mattresses. None of our beds were really there yet. And you get to yeah. know so your family really well. Dream from day one. From day one, exactly what everyone was, had envisioned. That's, that's what you imagine, right? And, and, on the and floor even, with even like to this day, I think we, and, yeah. yeah, you get to know your family really well. Um, I think. And and we did that for the first year, by the way, just to give you a bit of context. So we 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 did put up some drywalls in that space to divide it into. We actually (laughs) put one wall really to divide it into two and have you know either side for the couples. That was the level of privacy that we created. Um, But our room was a throwaway to their room. (laughs) Yeah, it was basically. Eva would be like. <laughs> she would just kind of like bolt into the room and yeah, yeah. So privacy yeah. wasn't a thing, um, much of a thing. You know, it was yeah. it was it was rough. Yeah, it was, it it was, was easier, messy. I think, for Rebecca and I because we grew up together. 
we grew up very close. We would share a room or swap rooms. We shared bathrooms, you know. Uh, we were, you were already sisters. We were, yeah, yeah, exactly. And so uh, living together, like we secretly, uh, even now, still kind of go like, oh my God, how did we like trick our husbands into moving out here and like living together? Um, <laughs> you know, like how did this happen? So for us, it wasn't as as big of a deal, but it was more the dynamics of like <laughs> squashing. Yeah, like for adults, but also like uh, my relationship with my brother-in-law and Rebecca's relationship with Payam. Mm-hmm. Uh, my brother-in-law's name is Manoli. Have not mentioned that yet. Hi, Manoli. Uh, <laughs> um, and so that was interesting. And I think my sister and I kind of, we almost, we didn't really think that far. Like we did not think about uh, that dynamic. We were like, this is amazing. We get to live together again. And I get to be with your babies all the time. And um, and I think it was uh, after they we found out that they were pregnant with their second baby that we realized, okay, I think like we need some separation and privacy and like they need a properly finished space for their family. We need our own space because, you know, you're because a couple. Because you need your own space. Because you need your yeah. own space. You know, it's a kind of an amazing thing. We, I'm, because it's an audio, <laughs> audio medium, people can't see me doing all this nodding yeah. while you're talking. But, you, <laughs> you know, you, yeah, we, we had dreamed of living with another family Mm -hmm. for almost in our entire marriage. And so when the opportunity, right. Yeah, we talked about it. It was always something we were curious about. What would that be like? Right. And so there's sort of like the dream and then the reality. But I kind of often describe it similar sort of to marriage, right? You have all of this anticipation and joy and excitement. And then all of a sudden, reality. Here you are. And it's it's together, And and there's things that pop up that you're like, wasn't expecting that. Right. And there's some things (laughs) that are so much better because you're together. And there are other things that are just so much harder. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I think we are getting better at creating that space. And I don't mean necessarily just a physical space, even just giving each other space. I think it's, it's essential and taking your time as a couple to, to have your own space yeah. um i mean and we're still learning having that. yeah having a f- separated physical space we, we ended up just renting another apartment for us the two of us um because we don't have kids yet so it's easier for us to commute all mm-hmm. of nine kilometers from yeah. from our apartment to our house um and but we that, that, that all day too like, yeah we we do spend we most of the time. day at the house uh and and in the evenings but at that separation the, the physical space has allowed us to create a lot of space for ourselves you know mm-hmm. to have the time you know in our commute for for those nine kilometers we get to debrief or in the mornings you know just prep for the day we get that sort of discipline routine of, of every day that it has helped it, it's been incredible yeah, yeah um, it's been like the best decision we made for the like for personally for and for business, the business yeah. like as a whole um and not because we don't care for one another or anything and you know or enjoy spending time because we spend time together all the time it's just like it is important to have just that little bit. Of, yeah, I would say that's that's a good word. Like that little sanctuary that you can mm-hmm. create for yourselves, either individually or as a couple or in whatever capacity. But um, yeah, and so that was that was kind of missing. And because I think a lot to do with the fact that because our home was our business, so all of us living there, all of us working there, um, it was just we we were on all the time. Mm-hmm. And then our downtime was still filled with like being social and, you know, being together. And I think it was hard to find that even individual time, like or time to even just sometimes sit there and like 
be with your own thoughts and, yeah. you know, yeah, we had people a, running around. A similar experience for a different reason. We weren't running a business out of our house, but both our families had kids. And yeah, and that's so the thing. You, you both had two, kids. And, two sets of yeah. kids in the same house means that there's a level of vigilance as a parent. You're always just listening and waiting and seeing what's going to happen mm-hmm. and ready to jump in if there's if there's a challenge. And that takes just a huge amount of energy. energy yeah. Did um, you find it hard not to parent the other children? We had lots of conversations yeah. with the other parents about like, okay, how much the of that? But at or... what point do we... How far do we go parenting their kids? What is their approach? And but we made a uh, decision really early on that we would view the parent or view the kids as just the kids. Like we we were not stepping in because it wasn't our child. We had to sort of have the same rules across the board. So if something was happening, we would step in. But that also builds like a security in the children to know that you know we're there for them regardless of what's happening. And so. Um, but yeah, definitely, that was one of those things where we thought, this will just all work out fine. Yeah. We were actually worried about, are we actually good friends with these people? What's, what is it going to be like for the couples and hanging out at night? Are we going to actually get along? Um, that worked out. And like the we, labor break, we, like we how... We have forgotten there were children when we <laughs> yeah, decided we to do really this. really planned for like, <laughs> are the kids going to... They were the same ages or similar ages. So we thought they're just going to be best friends. Uh, that's they what were. we assume eventually when we have kids that our kids are the best friends with. Yeah, it might not <laughs> happen. All these kids, but it may not happen. But, but it don't. might happen. Um, I think where I'd love to sort of end our conversation today is is what is it like? So you've opened the B and B. Tell us what's what is it called? It's called the, the B and B. Oh, yeah. the Edward, the, the Edward, Edward bed and bed breakfast. Um, and like, what is it like? Who who comes there? And what is it like for your guests when they? I mean, I, I expect a lot of them are coming from Greater Toronto. These are yeah. a hardworking That's, uh, men and you, women. You know, a lot of people who come there are basically people who relate to this story very, uh, very well. Um, a lot of people from Toronto come there and um, we try and, and guide them through that that uh, sort of upfront experience of sometimes getting to the county and then understanding what the county is about. Um, they reach our place and a lot of times the reaction is like, wow, it's beautiful up here. Um, if it's their first it's time, especially. <laughs> yeah, and, and, uh, yeah and, and they talk about the area looking like, you know, uh, south of France or Italy, you know, it's, it's, it is quite a nice area. Lots of wineries around. Um, so, you know, and then they come to our house and then, you know, it's peaceful. You don't have any sirens or car noises, you know, you, you hear the nature and uh, the wind and that's, that's usually very, um, it catches people a little bit off guard when they get off their cars. Um, we also have a very long driveway. So yeah. the drive, like, I think some people actually mistake our driveway for a road because we see a lot of cars turning back. <laughs> so they come in and then they turn back real fast. Yeah, yeah. But uh, so I think the lead up to, to getting to the house is kind of nice for guests. I know that was one of the features that we loved about the house is we drove down this driveway and then all of a sudden there's this nice big yellow house. And it was so kind of had a romantic yeah, feel to a, it. It's a good um, entrance. And yeah. I think guests, they quite like that. We often get people wanting to take pictures in front of the house because it's just kind of, it's kind of an icon now. Like, 
Yeah, and we try to create a space where it's uh, you know it's transparent. It's uh, it's very uh, very much outside inside sort of mix. Uh, the outside is is brought inside as much as possible. You know, lots of light and lots of air and uh, lots of life. Um, so, you know, that hopefully continues. You know, as as they enter the house. The rest of that is basically, you know, making sure they have they have a place to to stay and and you know sleep comfortably. Uh, we 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 thought you know it's in the name bed and breakfast, so we made sure we have the best beds, yeah, and the best beddings, <laughs> and and we beds. have good breakfast. Um, we thought if we get those two things right, we are probably doing something right. Um, and and I think we've we've you know tweaked things over over time a little bit, and and I think we are at a good spot where we have really good beds where everyone you know we, people check in usually later in the day you know and then so we don't get to see them or talk to them too much that day other than just you know this is where you're going to get your dinner it's good good food around us um the next morning they wake up and they see you know the light coming in and the nature around them and sometimes the odd deer walking in the backyard and it's turkey that that's usually the start of their wow this is actually kind of cool uh you know and then you know we put good food in front of them uh we try to make everything there um certain things we haven't really we haven't figured out yet but we are we are on our way to to be f- uh fully uh self-sufficient in terms of our food um so the people appreciate that you know people who are coming from toronto and big cities they appreciate good food um and then we, yeah, we uh, we fill them up with good food and we set them off on their on their day. Uh, we we sit down with them and just kind of you know tell them where everything is on a map, what they can do for their day, help them with the planning a little bit because you know they're there for a couple of days and they're like, oh, there's so much to do. What 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 can I do here? One thing um, that's kind of fun to note is that we don't have any televisions in our B and B, so we've got Wi Fi. So a lot of people will bring like a device or something, but um, we wanted we purposefully made that choice. Um, I mean, you can buy TVs. They're not that expensive mm-hmm. nowadays. Um, but we didn't want, we wanted to like a, get rid of that option, you know, cause you can go into a place and then you end up, Oh, what are we doing tonight? Oh, this is like, turn on the TV. Right. So all of our rooms are very tailored to like, like sleep there, enjoy, be cozy and like read together, a book, yeah. be together, enjoy, you know, there's common spaces that you can also like be a part of. And we've got a record player and we wanted it to be very like visceral. Yeah. And tactile, like be there and enjoy it. Like, I mean, I guess what you're all about, like the joy mm-hmm. of missing out, like the joy of, of not, um, it's like missing out to, to like, to, find something else you know either yourself we have, or yeah we yeah. have played around with the idea of leaving a basket at the door where people can drop off their phones and pick <laughs> it up on the way out when they're checking <laughs> out i mean it, it it's could not be a requirement right it's optional but we, we have we have had a few times where people especially i guess older older couples were staying with us they they take a moment they double take like, where's, and then, where's, where's your TV? And we are like, oh, I actually don't have a TV. You know, you can sit you on the back porch and read a book. You don't need to watch the book. news tonight. Nothing worse <laughs> no. is happening than what's already happening right yeah. now. <laughs> it's okay. All, all the bad stuff is already happening. Yeah. So, um, I, I hear yeah. you guys sort of describe the environment, and I just imagine it like inducing spontaneous detoxes for people from their technology. Like maybe yeah. like, what's it? Do do you see that with people that they're a little maybe calmer or so, quieter? Yeah, like people are generally or other like people very... more anxious because there's no TV. What's that like? I think like a there's both. a lot of like uh, people on their phones. Like their heads are kind of down and on their phones, and that's 
that's just how it's going to be, you know. Um, but it's kind of nice, like, when you, I love seeing when uh, people wake up in the morning and they go onto the back porch because that uh, has, like, the view of our backyard and then the forest. And I love it when people don't have their phones on them yeah. and they just kind of sit there with, like, a cup of coffee and they're just talking. Because um, it's like, incredible, like, how much you don't, like, talk with with a friend or a partner or whoever, right? Like you kind of just forget to do that just to like, yeah. re, you know, reconnect. And, we, uh, we set up our, our breakfast table. This was not really by design. We just didn't it have just a happened. whole lot of space. So we, ha- <laughs> we have an area where it gets light from all, all around. It's a sunroom essentially. Um, and we, Made a choice to put a communal table. There's no separate. You, you can't. You can't together, sit separately. Whether they know each other or not. So you sit at a long table, kind of like this, maybe a little longer, uh, around a table, uh, eating with complete strangers who are also staying there, and and um, it's incredible the kinds of conversations and and you know people are not the on their phones and the odd connections that they make yeah, with each other. It's, it's kind of cool. You know, and then you're standing as as whoever is doing the, the breakfast that morning, you're standing behind a bar making people good coffee. And then, you know, these conversations just kind of like, you know, happen. And that is fascinating to watch. That's one of the moments of, of detox you're, you're talking about is at the breakfast time, like everyone starts connecting in a way, you know, not always. I'm not oh, going to. Yeah, and that's totally fine. Like and some sometimes people keep reserved. to themselves and bring their, you know, global mail to the table. And that's okay too. You know, we don't, we don't force it, but um, that's one, one moment. And the other moment is usually in the evenings when people come back from their full day out, they usually have had some wine, uh, you know, uh, either they've gone on tasting or they've gone to restaurants, they've had some drinks and they come back and, you know, a few times, you know, you go into our living room and all of a sudden all of our guests are just there drinking wine together and Mm -hmm. talking about whatever it is. Um, And we don't interfere with that. We just step out and we go do our own things. That's beautiful just to watch. You're like, well, we have like, you know, six people here in this house that didn't know each other. And now they know each other and they're talking about, you know, whatever. Um, that, Not only that, have you guys created that kind of connection for yourselves, but you've created it for other people. We're allowing, you've yeah. set the table. That's what we're yeah. kind of trying to go for. We're like, well, this is how we like to live our life now. Um, you know, like there are days when... Uh, I will have to get someone to call my phone because I'm like, I don't know where it is. It's somewhere. I relate but to I, that feeling. Yeah, yeah. But like, <laughs> I haven't looked at it all day. Um, and like, that's my favorite. Actually, it makes me laugh in a, in a very happy way that, you know, when I can't find my phone, I'm like, that means I've spent such like little time on it, which is wonderful. Um, but yeah, like trying, trying to kind of live very mindfully and connected and then, if I mean, if we're if we can live like that and run our business, then it's like a little extension for people, maybe, and they can kind of pick up on that and yeah, and kind of figure that out for themselves. Things, and, you know, at, at home. I think I want the thing that struck me when you were telling the story was that you were really clear on what wasn't working in the life that you had and what you wanted to move away from, but you didn't have something that was pulling you towards it like this the bnb wasn't your vision that you'd had for years but hearing you talk about it it has i think sort of swallowed you up a little bit and i just know talking to people who do want to make these kind of changes often they feel like they can't do it until they know what their thing is and they feel like they don't know what their passion is absolutely but it, that didn't stop you guys. So what's no. what's it been like sort of falling in love with your sister's vision for this uh, B&B? It's like taking your own part of it and, 
and making it yours and and running with it like for Payam, I mean I uh, uh, found my gardener. calling. I, I didn't know what I wanted to do. Like you're saying, I, I had no vision. And my friends and I talked about this all the time. Like, you know, what's the purpose in your life? And, you know, same as your company, you have to have a why in your life. And and I always struggle. I didn't I didn't know what I wanted to do. And um, this allowed us, because it created a, a kind of like a platform, right? Like it created an opportunity for us to to be a little bit more free in our minds to figure out what it is that calls us. Um and, I think that's and now important. it's giving me the chance to actually do it or get closer to it. I, I love growing food and I didn't know that before. And I I, I, I love gardening and mm-hmm. I never gardened before. And my mom did. And I was, you know, I was always influenced by that, but I actually never, never grew anything. And now I'm like, this is my calling. Like I want to actually cultivate the land we live on, you know, to an extent that we can eat healthier. Our guests can eat healthier. And hey, if it makes us some extra money on the side and, and the market, too, like, that's great You just too. genuinely... It's a, it is a, it's laborious, right? Like you work hard at it, but you actually love it. Like yeah. I'll go find you in the garden and you're like, <laughs> you're like, your hands are all messy and you've got dirt all over your face. And Usually, like, yeah. there's a whole pile of tomatoes and kale, like in this basket. And he's like chasing off a chipmunk somewhere, but like, he never looks upset about it. He's always just kind of like, that's got a smile on his face, they, just yeah. like right now. The so. chipmunks do get frustrating, but I think what I, it's not so much. I guess the bed and breakfast part of it is is uh, is wasn't our vision, like you said, but it allowed us to actually find out what what it is, and yeah, it was not just find thing. out, but also allows us to do it. And yeah. we were like, yeah, well, I'm I'm gonna do this now. And but and, you listen to a gut feeling that something needed to be different, yeah. and I think that's wonderful yeah. that that's we pulled that out key. because I think you're so right that Michael, that people, I think a lot of people don't take the step because they don't know what to do next, but actually, it is possible to step out. Not knowing. And it is okay also to step into other people's vision. You know, it doesn't always have to be your own. And I think the beauty that I'm hearing in your story is actually that was a gift because you were in, were in community and you could pull each other up when one of you were feeling down and you weren't just trying to do it on your own, which seems to be one yeah. of the really <laughs> beautiful threads. We uh, we often joke about, because our friends, they'll come to visit, visit us and they, they really, they love what we've done and they always say how proud they are of us and we're just kind of doing it and we always joke now it's a running joke that uh we will one day have a commune <laughs> and gonna, people will just yeah, live in community on this property and <laughs> yeah, yeah and we're gonna and, have our own uh, country established people will just figure out what makes them happy while they're there and yeah i mean it's like it's a joke but realistically like that's a There's little land. bit yeah, yeah like and like that's a little bit what we've done like we we relied on and, and i think that's one thing that people are missing out on is relying on other people you know like rely on your community rely on the people who you feel safe with who you can trust and and who are there to support you and you know don't overbear them but also you know there's rely on people it's okay it's it's okay to not have it figured out it's okay to not be this like strong tall independent tree you know they're like trees kind of grow in clusters for a reason and because mm-hmm. you know and we're stronger together it's a cliche but it's true yeah i think people so. are too busy being afraid of not having a vision that they, they forget what they should worry about is is not trying like not testing something out right like i i always like my biggest fear has always been like you know you know growing older and then retiring looking back and i've done one thing for all of my life and then i wasn't happy doing it um that it is it is a real anxiety for people not to be like oh i don't have a vision i don't know what i want to do next uh that that it, it overtakes them they forget that 
even though that's a valid feeling, what, what they need to really be focused on is actually action and then doing something, you know, and changing things and then, you know, maybe quitting your job, maybe changing things at your workplace, you know, whatever it may be, just do something about it. Um, yeah, that, that often goes, goes unnoticed. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for talking with us today. It is mine and Michael's anniversary. I can't imagine spending it in a better way. Amazing. That's incredible. You said 11 years, right? Mm -hmm. That is no small feat. That's amazing. Congratulations, guys. (laughs) And just before we wrap up, maybe we should remind people what the name and location and maybe a website the for edward the edward bed and breakfast and yeah where can yeah. people find you yeah online they can find us at the edward.ca uh fairly easy to remember the website and uh you can find us on instagram as well at the edward uh, pc uh, we see photos there of your kale and tomatoes you certainly can uh you can see us uh hear our story follow our story uh talk to us ask questions and uh and book a visit and, and and can please, visit if you please like. come come and stay a while and uh, we'll we'll talk in person. Yeah. Awesome. Great. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank thank you. you guys. And we're bunk buddies. We're all bunk buddies. I know buddies. that was kind of a <laughs> fun a cabin thing. meeting here. <laughs> well, thank you for listening. You can learn more about our guests in the show notes and by visiting jomocast.com. The Jomocast is edited and produced by Thomas J. Inge, musician and composer by day, podcast ninja by night. Special thanks to writer Rebecca Wigand, musician Peter Katz, and educator Adam Kaplan for their practical and moral support creating this season of the podcast. The JomoCast is listener supported. When you sign up as a patron at patreon.com forward slash JomoCast, you'll get access to many bonus episodes with me and digital sociologist Dr. Jess Piriam. Plus, we'll send you a Jomo Manifesto letterpress print stickers and a handwritten card in the mail because I believe in the power of the personal. Plus, snail mail is just one of the most joyful things on earth. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate and review it on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you subscribe. And a five-star review would be spectacular. Do you want more Jomo? Go to experiencejomo.com to sign up for a free week of Jomo Quests to get you started on your journey. As always, remember, there is joy missing out on the right things. I'm your host, Christina Crook. Thanks for listening.